The text for the sermon this day is taken from John chapter 1, which you heard earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Just as a slight note, that hymn that we just sang, I know it's, for some it's unfamiliar, some it is. It is from the old hymnal. It was in there. So, But anyways, that is an old hymn. If any of you have any German ancestry, your ancestors knew that hymn likely by heart. Because it was written by Paul Gerhardt, was as close to a celebrity as you could get when it came to musicians. So, but anyways, but it, some, for whatever reason, because we grew up with the English language, it didn't catch on as much. But anyways, it's a beautiful hymn to just read those words, just powerful. So anyways, today, last night, and throughout our Advent and Christmas season, we have been asking the question, what child is this? In today's reading, it goes right, that question comes right back to you. Last night was going to be the end, but, and I was, but you look at this text, it's right there. And you have this, these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now that Greek, that word that we translate as word... In the ink is not exactly the greatest of translation. And the reason I say that, and it's not really to blame for any of our translators, it's simply that there is no good English word for it. Our language is lacking. And so they go with word, and that's about as close as we can get. The Greek word is logos. And as you read through the, these verses... John slowly builds up on what he is, how he is using the Greek word logos. And, and that is, it's a, it's, a, it's a philosophical word. So if any of you have ever heard about a guy named Aristotle, so I might be bringing you back to your school days, Aristotle was a Greek philosopher. And in his argument for the existence of God, he argued that everything that, has a, everything that happens has a cause. So in other words, so for example, I put down my iPad. What caused the iPad to be put down? Well, you could say, in my brain, I decided to lift it up, and so I put it down. Well, what made me decide to put, do that? Because I decided to put it into my sermon. Why am I preaching a sermon? Because I'm the pastor. What made me to become a pastor? And I could go there. What made me me? Then I could go through there. You could go all through it, and eventually you get all the way back in time, and you could get back to Adam and Eve, and then you'll get to the creator of Adam and Eve, and that is the one person that has no cause. They are known they are the source. They are the unmoved mover. And that was the argument of the existence of God from Aristotle. The Greek word logos, which is translated as word, is that concept. So he is saying, in the beginning was the unmoved mover, the source, and the source was with God, and the source was God. Which means when you get to verse 14, and by the way, if you ever get Jehovah's Witnesses, and they come to your doors and they say, well, it, he was a God. Right away, this is how you respond. So you're saying that John, a devout Jew, believes that there was more than one God? Even though all his life he had to say, 
Yah, the Lord our God is one. Every Jew is required to say that. No, he's believed, it is the God. There's only, was God, it's the God. There is not multiple gods. So anyway, so this word, the, the unmoved mover becomes flesh. This is what John says. The one who becomes flesh is that one who yester, last e- yesterday we heard about being laid in that manger, born of Mary. He is the one who has become flesh. And all throughout his ministry, he would be more and more reveal who he is. There would be times when Jesus would have, there was a time the paralytic was brought before Jesus. And the paralytic was laid before his feet. And Jesus said, he didn't heal him right away. Anybody know what he did first? Yeah, he forgave his sins. Now, understand that this is very significant. The, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they said, who are you to teach? You can't, they were th- thinking he blasphemed because they understood that to forgive a person's sins is to claim to be God. Because, and ex- understand how this works, is... Imagine I went out one day, and I just randomly punched some random person on the side of the street. I don't know why, I just did. Now, who's the only person could forgive me for punching that person? The person I punched, right? Someone across the street who witnessed it can't run up and say, I forgive you for punching that guy. That doesn't work, because I didn't do it to him. But Jesus, when he forgave the paralytic, he didn't say, I forgive you for being dropped on my toe or something like that. He forgave him for every single sin he had ever committed. And the only reason he could do that is because Jesus is the one whom every single sin is committed against. He is God. That's what he was claiming to be. Or later, this is in the Gospel of John, And Jesus is getting into a spat with some of the the Pharisees and the teachers. And he eventually says, before Abraham was, I am. And they, they picked up stones to try to stone him. And the reason they did this is because they knew exactly what he was claiming to. Because I am, if you remember, in the story of Moses in the burning bush... When God spoke to Moses, he asked, what is your name? And he says, I am who I am. In the Hebrew, that name is Yahweh. So when Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, everyone in that crowd knew exactly what he said. He was calling himself Yahweh. That's why they tried to stone him. Throughout the Gospels, Many, 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 many times, Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. Now, for much of the Gospels, they figure, oh, there's two ways he could be saying this. He could be using the title like Ezekiel was referred to as a Son of Man, which means he's a good prophet, nothing more. It wasn't until his trial, when they asked him, are you the Christ Or are you not? To which he says, I am. And from now on, you'll see the Son of Man descending on the clouds. 
When he said that, they knew exactly what he meant every time he called himself the Son of Man. He was making reference to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel gives the prophecy of a son of man, one who looks like a son of man descending on the clouds whom all nations would bow down and worship. This son of man is none other than God himself. They knew that Jesus again was claiming to be God, which is why the priest tore his garment, because he believed Jesus committed blasphemy. That is who he is. This is God in the flesh. That's who Jesus is. This is why we celebrate Christmas Day in addition to Christmas Eve. Throughout the history of the church, there's been a great dispute over who Jesus is, what his nature is. In the first century, of the, in the second century of the church, the first great argument was that Jesus was not human. They said he was God, but he wasn't human. He appeared to be human, but he wasn't actually human. This was known as Gnosticism. It was in this time that the earliest version of the Apostles' Creed was written. And if you notice the Apostles' Creed, if you pay attention to it, it actually is written in a way that you could get away with saying that Jesus is not God because its emphasis is on that Jesus is human. Born, died, buried, conceived, all words that are human words because that was the issue the church was dealing with. Well, and by the way, this is the reason why, again, Jehovah's Witnesses do confess the Apostles' Creed because they could confess it and still say Jesus is not God. But come forward about a hundred years, and a new heresy arises. And this is the heresy known as Arianism. And it was teaching that Jesus was less than the Father, that he was created, that he is a man. And this is, and this is what prompted what is known as the Council of Nicaea. And it's at the Council of Nicaea, the Nicene Creed was written. Well, the first draft of it. And by the way, the hymn that we're going to sing in a little bit, Of the Father's Love Begotten, that was the, like, almost like the star-spangled banner to the Nicene Creed, the Council of Nicaea. So it was the rallying hymn. So we, that, when we sing that hymn, that is the one hymn that it is the oldest Christmas hymn in existence, and it's the one we could, we could confidently say that the original Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, actually sang. So, because St. Nicholas of Myra was at the Council of Nicaea, and legend has it he punched Arius in the face. So, that may or may not have happened. But anyways, the Council of Nicaea, there are, if you remember in the Nicene Creed, we say, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. The emphasis is that Jesus was not created, that he is God in the flesh. This was the emphasis. And the thing is, this is one that what is confessed in the Nicene Creed has become even more important in our day. Gnosticism exists still, but it does not exist in regards to Jesus being human. 
You're going to be hard-pressed to find people who say Jesus was not human. You might find people who say he didn't exist ever, but they get laughed out by any real historian. But you don't get too many people that will, if they acknowledge he, he lived, most will say he was human. But they won't go so far to say that he was God. They might say that, well, he was a great teacher. He was a great moral example. He said some nice things. The Muslims say that he was a great prophet. And by the way, the modern-day Aryans, not to keep bringing him up, the modern-day Aryans are the Jehovah's Witnesses. So it is still something in our world. It is still believed in our culture that Jesus was merely a man. But Jesus himself and the Scriptures strongly confess that he is God. And when you read that phrase that he became flesh, how humbling is that? That the very one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who spoke everything into existence, the one who spoke Mary into existence, was in her womb. That's who was in her womb. This is why in the ancient church she was known as the Theotokos, that is the God-bearer. This was not to emphasize anything about Mary, but to emphasize who was in her womb. He is God. It, or, for example, you heard so wonderfully sung, Mary, did you know this last Sunday? Did you not know that when you kissed your little baby, you kissed the face of God? What a wonderful confession of what happened. So again, the question I asked a couple weeks ago, if he is God, who are we? See, it's not just that he didn't just come become God because he was in the mood for a vacation. Like he just wanted to check out what earth was like. He became God for a reason. He became God because here's the beginning of the text. It says that God, that Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, spoke everything into creation. So by the way, if you, anybody asks you, how far do you have to go to get in the Bible to find Jesus? It's about the second verse in Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. He already shows up there. When he says, let there be light, that's Jesus speaking. That's the second person of the Trinity. But anyways, he spoke everything into existence. He created us with but a word. And by the way, there's a, there's a sermon many, many year, a couple of years ago. I don't know if any of you went to the LWML convention in Des Moines, but Dr. Lamb was speaking, and there's one little illustration he gave. I thought that was so awesome. And he said, by the fact that... You, what makes something valuable? Is it because of something about the substance itself? This is an iPad made by Apple. Now, if I offered you an iPad that was made by Bob's Random Corner store on some random street, how many of you want to get that one? I have a feeling nobody's going to be too confident in that one. 
People want Apple. When you see Apple, people want to buy it because that, tie, that name says something. Or maybe some of you may not want it because you hate Apple. Which, what are the two? But it tells you something. You were created by God. And that by that alone, you are declared valuable. Simply by the fact that God created you. And yet we, his creation, have been created by God with his hands. Created Adam with his hands. Rejected him. We decided that we wanted to be God. We decided we wanted to be in control of everything. We decided that we wanted to call the shots. And that is why, as soon as we fell into sin, God made a plan. Actually, it wasn't even a plan B. He knew it was coming all before creation. But he told them, told Eve, that her offspring would crush the serpent's head. And, so, and what she did not know was the offspring would be the very one who was talking to her. That he would be in the womb of her descendant, Mary. And he would be born in order to grow up to live, to teach, to preach, to be rejected, to be beaten, to be tortured, to have nails driven into his hands and into his feet, to be nailed to a cross, and to die a slow, agonizing death for you. See, he became human flesh in order that he could die for you. See, this was the great stumbling block for Islam. They can't, in Islam, God is strong and mighty. There's no way he'd let himself become weak, measly flesh like us. There's, and especially, there's no way he would let himself die. But that is exactly what Jesus, who is God in the flesh, did. He let himself become human, as human as you and I. When he was born, he cried. When he was born, he pooped, he peed. He woke up his mother in the middle of the night. He did everything a child, a human being does. He became hungry. He became thirsty. We have many accounts of him becoming hungry, becoming tired. He became human so that he could die. Because that was the way that we were to be saved. That was the way he chose to redeem us. To give us eternal life. That is what this Christmas celebration is. That's why, as I said it before, again on Sunday, lights. You just heard he is the light. Why are there lights on the tree? Because the light of the world was nailed to a tree for you. Why is there red everywhere? To remind you of the blood he shed for you. Why do we see, do we have any wreaths up here? There's, there's got to be, there's a wreath somewhere. But why do we do wreaths? Because they point to the crown of thorns. Why do they have little red fruits on them? To remind you of the blood that dripped Reminding you of all why he was born. To redeem you. To claim you. And so who are you? 
You are those who were created by the hands of God. And you are those who God claimed as his own. You are those who God chose as his child in the waters of baptism. When the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit was placed upon your head, upon you, and you were declared to belong to him. You know, throughout our, in our lives, we ask ourselves, why am I here? Who am I? When we get down on ourselves, we try to come up with reasons to feel better. We tell people, well, you're talented. You're, you're a good person. You're really beautiful or whatever. We have all these things we tell them. But the thing is, is how beautiful does somebody have to be to be considered valuable? How talented, how good at music, how good at whatever. Or, if you go the good route, if anybody's honest with themselves, they know they're not. And we even read in scripture where it says, there is no one who does good, not even one. That is not the way we go. Instead, we just say, it doesn't matter who you are. It is, you are a person is valued. The value and the, great, the richness that you are has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the one who created you. It has to do with the one who died for you. And it has to do with the one who placed his name on you in your baptism. Which is why Luther said every time you say, the devil comes to you and says, you are a poor, miserable sinner who deserves death and hell. He said, your answer says, I know I am. What of it? For I know one who has died for me. Or the other response, he just simply says, I am baptized. Christ became a child so that you may be his child and an heir of paradise by incredible grace beyond measure. Think about that. You are a child and heir of not Bill Gates, not Warren Buffett, but God himself. Till the day we rejoice in his kingdom, to him be all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen. At this time, we continue with the gathering of our offerings.